Good evening and welcome to the Monday, May 22nd, 20th Sacramento Ethics Commission. Now 5.31 p.m. and I am calling the meeting to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Adams? Present. You have a question. All right, I would like to remind members of the public in chambers. Um, for members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment. And I confirm the public comment speaking period for your desired item. And I'll say now that we have members of the public in chambers. If you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. Okay. And speakers, either in person or virtually, will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips, and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Our first item of business today is approval of the consent calendar. The consent calendar consists of the meeting minutes, the complaint log, and the follow-up log. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? I have no speakers on the consent calendar. Okay. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on the consent calendar? All right, I have a few things. Um, the follow-up blog contains three items that were potentially going to be on the agenda at this meeting. Number two, which is an update on uh, community outreach and an agenda item to discuss that. Item four, an agenda item to discuss the work plan for the upcoming year. And item seven, ethics commission postcards. And none of those seem to be on the agenda, so. I can speak to those. So item two is um, queued up for your next meeting. Um, I have reached out to, I have a consultant who is the former um, executive director of the Oakland Ethics Commission who gave some um, ideas on community outreach and I'm also reaching out to internal staff to talk about community outreach and we anticipate that at your next meeting. So a future um, to, to discuss work plan that is part of the annual work plan which is on tonight's agenda and then I apologize on item 17 I forgot to print your cards so I will drop those in the mail to each of you. Okay great. So is, oh yes. Um, so just to just to clarify the work thing, so the annual report and work plan and the way you're describing it as one and the same? That's correct. So at the very bottom you'll see there's um, a work plan for the upcoming year or topics that you wanted to talk about for the upcoming year. That will then go to the PNPE committee as part of the annual report. So is that the page that has big 
blanks on it? That's correct. Because okay. to be to be discussed, and so we can discuss that this evening, or we can you know talk briefly about it and, and come back at the next meeting. So it is on the agenda for today. That's correct. Okay. We're discussing our plans for the year. It will go in the annual report, then go to PPNE. That means we cannot we cannot actually take action on anything we want to do this year until we hear back from PPNE. Once you approve it, it'll go to the next PNPE meeting. But we will not be able to move forward with anything on our work plan for this year until we get the sort of thumbs up from them. There's, there's will be work for us to do, I think, in the interim before we get their approval. Sorry, but I don't, I don't know that I have kind of the same question. I don't know the question of, like, are we, uh, between the changes in the work groups, which I'm still sort of processing, and so we have an annual report, and our work planning process is done through the annual report. And in order to get a firm work plan, it has to go to PPE, which meets how often? Um, they meet monthly, and we typically schedule every other month. It seems like we schedule a meeting. Okay. So we do do that as needed. Okay. And so are we able to start on work without PPE? It would not be officially approved, but I believe that there are items that you can start working. So if we decided we wanted to work on the next round of lobbying recommendations or something like that, we wouldn't necessarily be precluded from that. It's just a formal process from the city to coordinate things through coordination across. Correct. They're going to look at the work plan and authorize what that upcoming work plan is. They may have other ideas of projects they want you to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, they may also say, that, you know, of these 10 things that you guys, that this commission wants to work on this upcoming year, we think these are the, prior, the top priorities, so we'd appreciate you working on those first. Sure. All right. Do we have a motion for the, to approve the consent calendar? And seconded by Commissioner Adams. The clerk... Please call the roll for the vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Unanimous. All right. So we'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item four is the review of the draft Ethics Commission 2022 annual report to the City Council. Is there a staff presentation? Thank you, Chair. I can make a brief staff presentation. Um, as we mentioned at our last meeting, um, PNPE, which is the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, um, has asked that each commission do an annual report. That's also outlined um, in our council rules procedure. And so before you today is a draft report, um, and that's the same that we used as a sample to, to take to PNPE, which is why I shared it with you at the last meeting. Um, and so at this point, if there are comments on the attached report or work plan, it sounds like there is some discrepancy amongst commissioners if they're ready to have that work plan discussion tonight. Um, but the end of the report is um, priorities, projects, and objectives for consideration for the upcoming year. Um, and that's where we would outline your work plan um, or any projects that you want to undertake for the following year. 
A page seven of the report. Notice that on page seven, the two items just say TBD. Correct, and I need direction from the commissioners on what projects that you would like to consider for the upcoming year. Okay, and on page six, which is the resources page, um, all the costs are left blank. So, but I don't know that we. Correct, and I think in the staff report, I outlined that that's research I'm still doing is to determine um, how long it takes to put an agenda together um, based on what we did the last year. So, of course, our evaluator, what expenses we use there. And so I'm still waiting to get some numbers back from finance for the final report. So you say, like, so much per hour. Correct. And that would be based on um, labor projections. For instance, for um, our city attorney's office, you know, what is an hourly fully loaded rate um, for those that services? Um, for our IT people in the back room, what is their hourly rate to conduct this meeting, so forth. That's what those will be. Okay, so those will be filled in Correct. by you. Correct. Okay. Um, okay, are there any members of the public who wish to speak? I have no speakers on this item. Okay, and now commissioners who wish to speak on this item. Commissioner Ng. Yes, uh, thank you for that. Uh, just wanted to double check. Please refresh my memories that we, we do have a budget every year, right, for the commission's work. Is that right? Um, not for the work of the commission. The Office of the City Clerk has a budget to staff the commission. Mm -hmm. But the commission itself does not have a budget. I see. Okay. And so, you know, for that, for... For this commission, um, well, I guess you know my question is, is is right here. So by filling this particular form out, then we know what our budget is for the year for our work. Is that correct? Uh, so it's part of the office of the city clerk's budget. So I budget that we have you know funds available for our independent evaluator. How much we need that. So there is not a budget line item that says, you know, um, the Office of the City Clerk to support the Ethics Commission. There's not a line item in the IT budget. Um, I'm not sure about the, off the Office of the City Attorney, but I believe that they support the commission. But as you know, that, that there is a cost to holding each meeting. And I also understand that, like, at the very beginning of this commission, we do have a staff helping us, and but he left, and then... You came in and stepped into his shoes. So moving forward, are we going to have a staff or you do it? For the interim, it's me and my office. As you know, we have multiple people in my office that support this commission. So it's not one person that's focused. Their only job is the Ethics Commission. Um, they support all boards and commissions. Thank you. Okay, so before we send it to PP&E, do we take the word draft off, or are we sending them document marked draft? No, once this commission approves it, that draft will come off, and it, that will be what you forward. It says draft today because I haven't gotten input from commissioners, um, and you haven't approved this draft. I would assume that your projects and priorities, um, as whatever feedback you give me today, I'll bring that back, um, unless there's two things that you want to do next year, and it's easy to articulate that. Um, but likely, I would bring it back for you to um, have a final approval on the document itself, because it's the commission's report. 
So the agenda item says that the recommendation is to pass a motion forwarding it to the PNPE committee. It seems like before we do that, we have to fill out page seven, which is projects, priorities, and objectives, and resources required. That's correct. If you give me three items that say I want to do community outreach, I want to do, you know, something else, um, if there's three very distinct items, it would be easy for me to move this forward um, as amended. Um, but if it's a complex, you know, set of work plan that you want to forward, then I would re recommend that your motion is to um, give me direction today and then bring it back to your next meeting for final approval. Um, yeah, so I think that, so it's great to know we're talking about this today. Um, I'm not fully prepared to talk about it because I wasn't sure with it, the, the, um, how it was listed on the agenda. Um, but my hope was that we would be able to get feedback from uh, other jurisdictions around their work plans because there are other jurisdictions like Los Angeles longer. Um, I know that we have uh, uh, someone who has been involved in the Ethics Commission that's now you know, working in Oakland. If there's opportunities to learn about priority areas that relate to the overall mission of the Ethics Commission because I think that what I'm struggling with is um, you know, in our purpose listed in the annual report, we talk about the, the important and reactive role we play to complaints that come in, but I think that what our work plan can touch on is some of the more proactive work around transparency, ethics, um, you know, for example, like the lobbying, lobbying ad hoc that support the overall mission of the work of ethics, but not being uh, someone like Nick Heidorn <laughs> or something that has like a deep, extensive knowledge of this issue area it would be helpful if, uh, I don't know if that's something that staff has the capacity to do to gather some feedback from jurisdictions or if that's something that the commission would be able to do in advance of the next meeting is sort of like reaching out to some other jurisdictions um, to help inform like one or two priority areas that we consider for this next year. Uh, so if it's if I'm not jumping the gun, if I'm not jumping the gun. Um, if we can go ahead, I know that we've talked before about um, the outreach, um, and I think we, I felt like at least we were all um, uh, interested in moving forward with with doing that. So if I can add that to this list of projects, that would be okay with everyone. And I think next we, next uh, meeting will help sort of like inform that because we had been waiting on the community outreach manager and whomever to get some more feedback on the city's work on that. Knowing that we're a volunteer commission, it's helpful to know what like dedicated staff capacity is already doing in those areas. So I think yes and like using the next month's meeting to inform what that might actually look like so we don't duplicate efforts. on the report table. This actually will address um, A3, uh, A4 and 5 that, is, that we're supposed to frame that we have not. Um, so I, I would say 
both questions and comments. So one uh, for the comment is if we can in this report address why we have not um, reviewed uh, every two years the FPPC policy, have that in writing as to why we have not done that, as well as why we have not annually updated the list of uh, law firms at the city to investigate sexual harassment claims. Um, and then the question, again, for both of those will be, um, when are we able to do that? By saying that we're going to do something within a certain time frame, I think it is impactful for us to, to, to do that. So, um, you know, if that's something that we can add to this work plan or something that we can do outside of having it included in the work plan. Actually, that covers two of the comments. So my third comment will be in past annual reports, we also had a recommendation section, and I would like to bring that back. And I would also like to bring back the sort of four categories that were included under those recommendations. Um, I will not go into all the words because they were lengthy, um, but it did look at other commissions across the state and what they were doing. And broadly, the four categories were independence and staffing, and I understand that that includes requesting um, an amendment in the city charter. Um, but I still would like to see that as one of the recommendations that we move forward. Same with subpoena power, and I know the city attorney has addressed what the policy currently is with subpoena power, but if we can include the recommendations both to either ask the council to grant us subpoena power or to move a city charter change so that we can have that. Um, there is also a recommendation for a hearing officer, which I think, you know, goes to some of the comments, um, such as what Commissioner Ng had mentioned. Um, and I believe the way it was phrased in at least the latest report was for a city code amendment um, so that we would have that specific hearing officer who would be able to review some of the complaints that either would not, there would not be time for us to come into or to hear or to um, review some of the complaints that now go on to the complaint log so we have a better understanding of how those are processed. And then the final one was for education, training, and policy. Um, and that request was to have it, uh, have the city put in the city code something more explicitly authorizing us to engage in those activities and provide direction to um, your office for providing, uh, to, for providing um, those. So I would like to move forward with those recommendations and again include the recommendation section in this report. Um, and then my fourth point, and I know I've been talking a lot, so please bear with me. Uh, in the report, there was reference to bringing on a consultant to review the lobbyist registration recommendations that the ad hoc had. Um, I wasn't aware that that consultant was brought in, and I would personally, I would say, if there's going to be something like that happening in the future for um, that consultant to come when we're having a, council, a, a commission meeting to uh, on the topic that they're consulting on to come and speak about what they've done and you know have that dialogue. We were able to discuss what um, the ad hoc did, and I think having the consultant feedback um, there so we can ask any questions would have been helpful. Great, Commissioner Adams. Not speak for too long. You had a lot to say that was important. I, I had made a note that I wanted our recommendation section back as well, so. What else do, oh, Commissioner Gilman. Um, what, what is the consultant? There is a consultant, and it's, I don't know if you have it. 
what she's referring to is when we did the lobbyist registration reporting code, the ad hoc committee um, or ad hoc came back with some recommendations. And so I had the consultant review those recommendations to make sure that they were consistent. Um, and and there, was, there was some data that they said, well, okay, that's not really what San Francisco was doing for. Um, and so we shared that when that lobbyist ordinance moved forward. If helpful, uh, I found it on page six of the report and it's under commission research. but it's, it's in there. Page six of seven. It's page six of seven. It's the third paragraph from the bottom. Um, and it's possible that I missed correspondence around that, but I, I don't know that it came back to the, like the consultant work with the lobbying ad hoc or? It was part of the agenda package with your last meeting. Okay, okay. I was not aware of this Devaney, Pete, Morris, and Cameron. That was direction actually from the commission that we have an additional independent evaluator in the event that there was a conflict with our initial evaluator. That person was the person who reviewed the lobby? No, that was the, Sorry, that's somebody else. Yes, okay. those are two separate. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we contracted this year with a second in independent evaluator in the event that our primary evaluator has a conflict of interest with any complaint so that we have someone on deck to do that. Um, what um, Commissioner um, Adams was referring to is we had someone review the recommendation regarding the lobbyist ordinance as it was moving forward. So I had um, a consultant that um, is basically a, a professional in ethics commissions and laws to take a look at what the recommendation was to see if there was any conflicts or issues with that's the next paragraph after the debating paragraph. I guess just to build off of, it it would be, um, so I hear that it was in the last packet, but since there was a group working on that, it would have been great to like work collaboratively with the consultant. And, you know, we were going, like organizing to like go to Law and Ledge and provide info. And I, other than it being in the agenda packet, it would have been great to like stay a little bit more coordinated on that um, in the future. I agree with what Commissioner Adams said, which is basically the same as what you just said, that it would have been nice to have that consultant come. Or help with the process in general. If they're an expert in that area, we were kind of just working weekends on like getting information. I know that there's a budget for, you, you said that there's a, y'all have your budget with the city clerk, and so I understand you're probably trying to, you're using the best use of those resources. But if there is like an expert in that area that we're working in, it would be great to work with them, kind of like in the development of the the draft going to to Law and Ledge and the council. So with a consultant, you know, and I, and I agree. I mean, it would be helpful. But will this consultant, I mean, you know, we all need help in doing our work because we, you know, by all means, we're not, we, we, we may not be expert in that certain area. But will this consultant be really working, would it be better for this consultant to working with the commissioners, you know, side by side, if this is a consultant, they can give us advice instead of just for us to form an ad hoc without 
and that will be framed by your work plan. So I've already reached out to the consultants and on your next agenda, um, as I mentioned, is uh, a response from that consultant about ideas for community outreach. That's the same consultant. That's Whit correct. Whitney Barazoto. That's correct. And didn't she used to be with the Oakland? That's correct. She's, she's a just, past executive director. Yeah. Anybody else? Sorry. Commissioner Gomez. Um, so I apologize, just coming off work. Um, so I do actually have a, for the, um, the complaint log, I have a question about that. Um, I just noticed that there was a complaint that was by the city clerk lack of jurisdiction. Do we want to move past this agenda item? This was on the consent calendar, which we already adopted. I, I really want to go back to the last agenda item, or do we want to finish this one? Let's finish this okay. one first, and then we can go. Um, so does anybody else have comments about the draft report doesn't seem like we're ready to forward it to the PNPE committee. It seems. So I do have a, a question now. Um, with uh, Commissioner Adams' um, feedback and, and then my input as far as things to put on the items for um, the work for this year or next year, what happens after? It goes on to the next meeting, and we get feedback in the next meeting, or we, what, can you tell me what happens after today? Yeah, so based on the direction I've received today, um, I will bring this report back to you to re review it and then approve moving it forward. So then once it moves forward, it will then go to PNPE for them to take a look at what's your recommendations for the upcoming year um, and to give feedback on that um, if there are like I said, 10 items, they might prioritize those for you so that you are working on something that's a priority for council. So what I heard today was um, outreach, community engagement, um, the recommendations from the past years, independence and staffing, subpoena power, um, hearing officer, educating, education training policy, um, and I believe that, that I would have to um, have the attorneys opine on you know what it means to do that. I know we have in the past talked to you about subpoena power, and that is a charter change. So that would need to go to the voters. And so that might be something we can discuss and we can have our city attorney weigh in on the, at the next meeting. Um, because you may not want to move something forward to PNPE um, that is a charter amendment, or you may want to, might want to move it forward to PNPE and ask them to opine on is that a priority for them. To get a charter amendment on the ballot, how would we have to be done by city council? So you could do um, a citizen's initiative, or you could have the council put it on. So, um, um, so j just the other area um, around other jurisdictions work that could help inform and so wanted to get clarification if there is staff capacity to review those or and or the consultant has capacity to do that or whether that would be something that commissioners would need to review and research in advance of uh, that would be something that commissioners would, be, would review and research and bring back as a recommendation that you want to move forward with 
That would be part of the agenda item on the next. If there are additional items that the commission wants to work on for the upcoming year, we would add that to the annual report. So seeing how this is the only time the five of us would be able to talk about that in advance of the next meeting, I, I think we should talk about that a little bit in terms of like who would be able to do that um, and look into different jurisdictions to support. Um, um, like, would we be able to tap into your colleague from Oakland to get information from Oakland? Um, we could potentially reach out to the lobbying ad hoc around the, the contacts they had made another account. Like, is there folks that have capacity for this, interest in this, or should we, how, how do y'all want to move forward there? And, and if I may chime in, that might be a project for next year of what are other jurisdictions doing, doing some research on what other jurisdictions are doing, and can we potentially do that here? That might be part of your work plan for the upcoming year. So the work plan that we're talking about is not for this year, it's for next year. Because what it says on here. I, I would say we can put a time frame on that. I'm going to say it's a 12-month period. Okay. So it says 2023 projects priorities. Those will likely go into 2024. We can set some parameters, and I would um, venture to say it might be a good idea to say that this is this one's a priority. We're going to do this in the next three months. Um, this is the one that the one we're going to tackle after that. If you can put you know more detail into what those priorities are, and we put that in the report, um, or once it's approved by PNPE, that might be our next meeting where we set what if they have top priorities, we put those at the yeah. top. Um, or you can say we want to work on this one. This is going to take you know four meetings. We're going to yeah. do that the first quarter, the second quarter, the third. So, um, uh, Mindy, uh, if, so I think what, what I hear you saying is just due to the amount of submittals and approvals and review by PP&E and the process that it takes just to get the green light on, these, on the work plan, um, it, it could go out that far. So we can do research now, but it may not, um, it may be stuff that that's not set as a priority by PP&E. Uh, so I appreciate that because I was thinking, okay, well, I'll just start calling counties um, to, uh, before the next meeting and start seeing if I can find some ethics committee uh, uh, boards. But what I hear you saying is due to that whole process, it could take a while. And I'm not saying that you can't do that now and right. come back at the next meeting and say, right. I heard that San Bernardino County is doing this. I really want us to focus on that next year. Yeah. Or it could be that research. Right. To the, right. the, the research could be the next year's priority. We can discuss it, but we really can't do anything really about it. Yeah. And this annual proce report process, I think I've shared, you know, it's, we're, we're flying this plane <laughs> as we build it. And so PNP, this is a new process. I anticipate in years to come, we'll have a calendar. So ethics will be, you're, you'll be due in May. Um, and it will be to be completed by May, so that it can go to PNP the next month, um, and then we'll have a rolling calendar. Okay. So I anticipate that that starting that way. And our second annual report might be we didn't get these things done because we only had four months of that calendar year. You know, we're going to move forward with with this. But I would say if you want to make some of those phone calls, that would be great. I think. Oh sure, but things change by that time as well. Well, and I, I think that um, it would behoove us to continue to try to move work forward irrespective while being mindful that we want to stay coordinated within what P 
PPNE wants priorities to set and what the council will be more interested in moving forward because it would be, I, I don't think it would be a good use of like my role in the commission to wait eight months to hear from PPNE and when we could have done some low hanging fruit that is within the mission, uh, the general mission of the ethics commission. I, I hear that, but I also want to make sure that we're looking into things that are current, that are, that are real time, um, you know, what the focus is now out there may not be the focus in eight months. So, yeah, what are, is there specific um, action that folks want to take in between now and next meeting that we want to stay coordinated on? I, I know, Linda, I will reach out to our folks and the lobbying ad hoc, and I will um, connect with them about, like, if they already have contacts in other counties and what other ethics commissions are doing because they were a part of founding this ethics commission and might have some good information to inform our next meeting in terms of work plan, and I'll bring that back to this next meeting. Um, I just don't want to duplicate efforts, so if anybody else has anything that they're going to be reaching out around, maybe we can talk about it. I don't, ha I don't have any particular city in mind, but other than growing metropolises like Sacramento, so I was just going to start Googling, really. I don't have any connections, so um, I, I don't think we'll overlap just because I'm thinking more outside. I know that you guys are probably thinking San Francisco and L.A., so I'm thinking outside of that. And then the other area that um, may end up in the work plan, but I would love if uh, you have an update, Mindy, on how the it went with the lobbying ad hoc going to law and ledge, um, and what that looks like, and how that may or may not play into our work plan. Sure. At the end of the agenda, there's a space for me to report back. Okay. Another question I had is why are the city council rules of procedure attached to our is that just for our benefit, or is yes. it actually going with it? No, the City Council Rules of Procedure is what outli outlines what the annual report process is supposed to be. I believe it's Chapter 17. It seemed like it was attached to the annual report. Correct. The City Council Rules of Procedure outline the annual report process. So it was so just when, to when so we we send it to PP&E. Is are the City Council Rules of no, Procedure going to no, be attached? No. Okay. That was my question. So we are not um, sending it to PNPE at this point. Do we need to vote that we're doing more work on it? Or I'd appreciate just a motion continuing it to the next item or to continue it to the next meeting. Make a motion to... Um, so the items that we mentioned earlier that, that uh, Clerk Mindy is adding to the work plan um, and that we move to the next item, we go back to uh, what Commissioner Gomez, well, I think yeah, the love. That's not part of the same motion about going okay. back to the previous item. And just forget the last sentence. <laughs> so the motion is to continue um, the draft annual report to the next meeting. I will incorporate the changes that, or the, the feedback that you've given this evening. Okay. By Commissioner Velasquez, second. Aye. 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 Aye.
Okay. That's, so now we can go back, Commissioner Gomez. Event calendar, which has already been approved, but there was some. Yeah, so on the complaint log, um, there was a complaint dismissed by city clerk, lack of jurisdiction, 422, date received. Um, you, Do you have the complaint number? Um, 2023004. Okay. And I am wondering, it seems like this falls into some level of sexual harassment, and so I was wondering if there is... Uh, like where this was referred to, because um, I was reviewing our scope and it seemed like this potentially could fall into our scope around uh, council, what was it, uh, council, um, I have to look back at my notes, but yeah. Actually, two complaints that sort of that one and the other, the 2023 conduct of members is what I was looking back at our scope and seeing that this potentially would fall into conduct of members. But I would love to be educated if there's like a more appropriate place it was referred to. And I can ask the um, city attorney to opine on this, but if there was a, a, a complaint against sexual harassment of a council member, I believe that would go to our, um, our human resources department to investigate that. That doesn't fall, sexual harassment does not fall under the purview of the ethics commission. Correct, but I'm double checking. The mother and a daughter who each filed a complaint. It doesn't say it was referred to any place. look at chapter three so I think you're referring to chapter three which is conduct of members that's in the council rules of procedure um, and it does not uh, that, that would not we would not reprimand um, a council member um, if you read what the rules of procedure state it's really decorum in chambers how they uh, interact with each other under our jurisdiction.
this instance, the, if it, it, well, I don't believe it was a claim of sexual harassment, I can reread it, but if it was a claim of sexual harassment against an employee, that would be referred to our Human Resources Department. But um, if, if a council member was in the community and sexually harassed someone, they're, you know, re, what they would do is they would need, need to initiate a, a lawsuit. There's no agency that they or take. or recall. So. If a community member is sexually harassed by a city council member, the next course of action is for the community member to sue the council member. What Madam Clerk is referring to is this wasn't. Actually, I probably need to look at the circumstances. May not have been a city business situation at all. I don't know this, the particulars of the. That's correct. The, the, the city council member in the complaint in question was at, a, at an event in the community. Um, I, I think if we don't have all the information on this now, if we can get more information about what's going on here, um, you know, if uh, I feel like there's some assumptions being made about whether or not it was sexual harassment or not. I don't know if the person was talked to and got more information, which led to a conclusion. Um, I'm not clear if the next step is HR or, you know, what the scope of our, um, what, what the scope could be of our role here should there not be a clear space for a community member other than a lawsuit, uh, which is just like as a community member too, that's kind of wild. Um, so this complaint in question is not on the agenda this evening, so I'd be happy to have the in independent evaluator take a peek at it and then report back at a following meeting. And there, there are the two complaints, that's o correct. 03 and 04, so, so, so it what? would be good if you looked at both of them. Well, I think I hear my fellow council member saying that um, if in the referred, in the disposition, when it's dismissed, if it could say, if it's possible, um, due to the circumstances, it was a community event, does not fall under, it doesn't have to go into great detail, but why it doesn't, it's not under the jurisdiction of the Ethics Committee. Um, yes, and um, you know, what is the, the next step for the community member, right? And I, I know that that may not be, but I, I care the most about, like, what is the resolution for this community member? Like, have they been communicated to? What has that communication been? Um, are they clear on next steps? Because one of the roles of our commission is, like, ethics, transparency, building trust in government, and that comes down to, like, folks feeling like they have strong pathways to um, their concerns. So maybe something just as simple as um, complainant has been contacted and provided whatever, in, in general terms, whatever they needed for their next step. And usually some, there's something in the referred to column, like if the ethics commission isn't the right place for them, they're referred to where else they might go with their complaint, and on these two complaints, they weren't referred to any place. And typically, if it's, if it's crystal clear, so um, I received one ac actually last week that was in regards to a code enforcement violation. 
Um, and so I referred that to our code enforcement division to, re to look into. So it's a very clear pathway, and I was able to refer them. Um, but it's really um, incumbent on the complainant to then reach out to, to that. I mean, I, can, I can't, I'm not an attorney, nor do I um, claim to be. But for me to say, you know, you're, what you need to do is, is seek guidance from an attorney would probably not be appropriate. Um, or, you know, and I'm not going to say, or you can recall your city, attorney, your city um, yes. council member. You know, those are, those are your pathways. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are some, some things that we can deny it because it's not under purview. Um, but what I'm hearing, and I think um, if our city attorney is obliged, I think it might be a good idea for us to step through um, all of the code sections that are underneath your jurisdiction, so it's super clear um, what what it is. You know, what is the code of campaign fair practices, and what are some what are some complaints that this body would could legitimately hear um, to lobbyist registration uh, as it stands today? I'm the only one that's underneath your purview for the lobbyist registration and reporting code. So a complaint against me is the only one that could be filed. So if I'm not doing my job in that realm, um, Chapter Three of the Council. Conduct of members, you probably haven't read in that chapter, but it might be a good idea for um, our staff to give you a presentation on what that is and what it means, and maybe even talk about some examples of what, what could be a violation of that, um, and so forth. Um, closed sessions is a good one. Um, and off the top of my head is, if a council member leaves closed session and then talks to the media about something in closed session, that could be a violation of that rule. That come to the ethics? would be very helpful generally, you know, having clarity on what falls under our purview, having pre the presentation made, and, you know, I'm all for transparency of what we do, so generally that would be helpful. I would say it, 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 there, there's still sort of the more, I guess, alarming picture in my mind is that somebody has a potentially big issue that they voice complaint to, particularly with, you know, anything that is sexual harassment, and I understand that it may not fall under our, our purview, but not sort of having them make the complaint and them thinking this is the route that I am going to sort of seek justice and not hearing back about anything, even if it is, this is not the right course of action, so they know to take a second step or to look elsewhere. I, you know, we're silencing people who may not know where to turn and they're coming here for a reason, so just providing, um, you know, some messaging back so they know to go elsewhere with their complaint. Yeah, we, we do actually respond to every single complaint and let them know what, what the determination is. So it's not that it fell on deaf ears. I do respond to all of those complaints um, and let them know it's not under the purview of the commission. And if I know a path, I say you may want to reach out to um, the FPPC, um, an attorney, to discuss further. But without doing an investigation into that, I know it's not under the purview of this commission. So even if it was found to be factual, um, if it's not under the purview of the commission, um, it, it would never come here. We do our best to guide and direct, but um, it's really not our position to say, I, I would you know, call an attorney, you, I would right? I caution going any Gary Lindsay, uh, counsel for the commission. I would, I would advise against going any further than that and putting out, say, a menu of potential actions for a complainant um, just for the complaint to turn around and say I relied upon your representations of what my legal options were, and that turned out to not be the case. Yeah. So, um, right. I have to agree with that, actually, because that could be problematic. Right. If it's clear-cut where I, I understand where it should go, 
um, then I do make that recommendation and do forward it. But if it's not crystal clear, I, I can't make assumptions. And, and I think that helps us, like what seeing like descriptive information in the complaint log, because if we're seeing that there is not a place for somebody to go, um, then you know that might be something that we consider letting council know about in some way. Like, hey, there's a gap in your system here that you need to be aware of. Um, so I guess just coming back to the, like, making sure we have a really clear sense of, like, what the complaints are, what the status of it is, even if it's like they have been communicated to and they've been referred to nothing. That's okay, too. At least we know what it is. Um, and I, I agree with Commissioner Adams on, like, it's great to have education around our scope. I think anything that we provide information on should be um, included on our website in the most accessible way possible because we're going to cycle off this commission. And how do we make sure that new folks are onboarded and community is aware of that scope um, is, I think, really, really important. And so if, if uh, I love the idea of being onboarded <laughs> to the commission on the scope. Um, and using that material that y'all are spending time on to think about like how the website can be made more accessible. Because before every commission meeting, I go to the website and I review our purpose and what it is that our scope is. And sometimes I still have to be like, wait a second, <laughs> I'm not quite sure on that. And I know that some things are technical um, and complicated, um, but as much as we can simplify it for ourselves and the public, I think it will be Great. You know, what we talk about is all about outreach education. And if we don't reach out to other people we've been talking about for the past, nobody's going to know what our scope is and be done. So I, I'm really looking forward to tonight's meeting and get some guys just having the card. Permit, you know, not okay, um, so now we're going to move on to item number five, which is update on city board commission and committee training. like the city clerk is going to make a presentation. Chair, so I'll step down to the podium so that I can present on this item. So the commission asked for me to come back and talk a little bit about um, our, our orientation program and our training program. So as part of your staff report, you should have um, a link to our website where we have a recruitment video. So recruitment and just an informational video about our, um, there's a, an employee, uh, Commissioner Handbook. There's also a meeting facilitation guide, which was intended to be a guide for chairs and vice chairs on how to run a productive meeting. So those tools are there for you. Um, I do um, have a board commission and committee orientation. Um, if you um, have a few moments, this is about a 17-minute presentation. If you'd like me to run through the um, onboarding, I know Commissioner Velasquez went through this. Um, I'd be happy to present it to you tonight. Um, my intent is to turn the 
so that it's really easy. Right now, I do one-on-one -on -one trainings, or when there's a few, I try to group together, and I go through the presentation and available. So the intent is to perfect it and then get it to a point where we can turn it into a video. So um, if you, it's accessible, I'll step through that orientation program. And then if there's feedback for you from... Can, can I ask why we're not seeing you in on the screen? Uh, you should see the presentation. Oh, but not you. Correct. Oh. My presentation's more mm -hmm. I, I would like you to go through it now if, you, if and no one else minds. Sure. Perfect. Um, so again, my name is Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. Um, I also support all the boards, commissions, and committees of the city. So, um, so typically what I do, and, and more casual, but we'll do this in a formal setting, um, some things I ask of all my or people that we're orienting to think about um, things that I'm missing. You know, so once you've been in office for three months and there's something that would have been great to know your first meeting, um, please share that with me. So um, are you typically welcome and introduce um, all the commission members. So we talk about um, boards, commissions, and committee handbook. That's the one that's in your agenda packet. We talk about city code chapter 2.4, which is in boards and commissions generally. The Ralph M. Brown Act, parliamentary procedure. We the council rules of procedure, a public records act, public reform act, which includes conflicts, and then the scope of your commission. So um, a requirement upon um, appointment. So all um, we recommend, we can't force you to, but I try to, that you read the handbook. There's a lot of um, information in that handbook. Um, if you don't have time to read it, I encourage folks to at least read the contents to know where to find information. You must take your oath of office before sitting for a meeting. Um, there's local ethics training requirements. Most commissions have a statement of economic interest, FPPC forms requirement which talks about um, when we get to conflicts, we'll cover that. And then conflicts of interest, so reasons you would need to recuse from a decision. And then um, reasons for disqualifying, disqualification or removal of a commissioner. So most commissions um, are, um, uh, they are advisory to the staff or council. Typically, most commissions are advisory to council. Um, there are a few that are quasi-judicial and complaint review or appeals boards. So for instance, the Planning and Design Commission is quasi-judicial. They make binding decisions. So this board is a complaint review um, board. Um, so you um, review complaints and then you may make uh, recommendations to the council. And then appeals boards. So we have a housing code appeals and advisory board. So they hear appeals of housing code um, so the commitment, I always think this is a silly um, slide that I need to say, but we need people to come to meetings. If we don't have a quorum, we can't hold meetings. Um, and you would be surprised how many afternoons I'm, I'm making phone calls to get commissioners um, on board. So it's imperative that you attend a meeting, you let us know if there's going to be absences, and you avoid, avoid unlawful meetings. So we'll get to that um, down the road a little bit. So I do talk about the Sacramento Ethics Commission, and the re purpose of this slide is really to tell commissioners that this body could hear a complaint against them so that they need to understand what these complaints are. I usually tell them, take a look, take a re read through this. Um, I know you're not going to do anything to violate any of these things, but I want you to know that an, a complaint could be filed against you. So um, Sacramento um, City Code Chapter 2.40. I think if this is the umbrella code over all boards and commissions. So 2.40 states that is the intent of the City Council in enacting the ordinance codifying this article 
to assure that appointees for positions on the city council to city boards commissions possess those high ethical standards required of them to properly fulfill their functions, to disclose any conflict of interest, which would render applicants and appointees ineffective in the performance of their duties, or which would jeopardize the interests of the city, and to protect applicants and appointees against untrue allegations with respect to their background and integrity. So I thought it was important to read that, that code. So on the Ralph M. Brown Act, referred to as the Brown Act, really the intent is the public's business should be conducted in public. Um, the right to access is broad. So with information and processes being available, open, and transparent. And the act emphasizes the importance of the people and the role in validating government as opposed to the government's role in having the power over people. So we'll go into a little bit of details on that. And I think you guys are all familiar with this. So um, Brown Act does not cover conferences, community meetings, um, social gatherings, um, informal. Um, I always point out too that it could be um, a per perceived conflict too. So if all of you were at Denny's sitting at a table, you know, someone, and when the League of Women uh, Voters walks by, they might say, huh, why is the whole Ethics Commission talking about this? Um, but if you were at a conference and attending, um, but again, sit at different tables, <laughs> those kinds of things. So it's not a violation to attend things together, but um, it could be a perceived um, conflict. And I know when we did go to um, some community events um, in the past, you know, we picked two people to go to the community events rather than the whole um, commission. Okay. So the Brown Act. Um, Brown Act talks about um, a quorum, but it also talks about ways that you could inadvertently violate the Brown Act. So, for instance, there's um, five members on this commission. So three of you can't have a conversation. So here we would stop with um, Green Lantern would talk to Batman, Batman, Batman would talk to um, Superman. So three people have had that conversation together. Um, it could be um, a daisy chain or a serial meeting. So for instance, if one person talks to the next and the next person talks to the next, those three you've had a conversation. And this could happen by um, email, um, by text message, could be uh, voicemails and so forth. So I always pointed out that a text message string, and that's why you'll always see BCC in any email I send to you, um, so that you didn't, don't inadvertently reply all and say, I'm so looking forward to that agenda item, and I think this. You know, so um, I point that out. So Brown Act also states that um, agendas need to be posted 72 hours. The city has a sunshine ordinance that extends that to 120 hours. So your agendas are always posted 120 hours. Um, your meetings are accessible to the public. Um, the agenda, there's certain things that need to be on an agenda, the time, the place, a brief description of each um, business item. The commission cannot take any action for items not on the agendas. Um, and then appointees, you can briefly respond to, but you can't take action on any non-agendized items or questions. So that's why it's really important that we um, get those items on the agenda if we want to have a conversation about it. Um, I know that's difficult sometimes with public comment for matters not on the agenda. We want to respond. Um, and that's something that the Brown Act um, does not allow us to do that. So um, as you know, your uh, agenda, um, the council rules of procedure talk about order of an agenda. So your agendas, um, if you go to this meeting, you go to a disability advisory commission meeting, um, you go to a major youth community advisory meeting, your agenda is laid out the same way as a city council meeting. So those are all consistent. And really that is to make sure that the members of the public know how to participate. So you have your consent calendar. Those are deemed non-controversial, um, typically not conversation items. Your public hearing. Um, this body does have hearings on occasion um, where we've noticed folks um, to be there. Discussion item, there's always council comments, ideas, and questions, or commissioner ideas, comments, and questions, which is similar to council. And then public comment for matters not on the agenda at every regular meeting. So a special meeting only has um, comments on 
things on the agenda, but at a regular meeting, um, members of the public have the opportunity to talk about anything on their mind, which is under the scope of the commission. Okay, so we just talked a little bit about the public's place on an agenda. So again, um, the public can comment on any of your agenda items. Um, they also have an opportunity to speak on um, items not on the agenda for a regular meeting. Um, so uh, we can't prevent criticism. I know this is a hot topic lady, uh, lately, um, but the, someone can come and make comments on anything they desire. So of course, it's not supposed to be something that's um, outside the jurisdiction. So for instance, at a council meeting, if they were talking about um, state law, you know, the city has no jurisdiction there. So um, that's probably not. We probably would listen, listen to their comments and hear them. Um, the body can limit time for speakers. So the chair can either limit or expand as long as it's consistently applied. So um, one example is our redistricting commission, a really complex topic. So they decided they wanted to hear five minutes. So um, on the, one of the last map items, they said everybody gets five minutes. So as long as we're consistent in that, um, and you'll see that with council meetings, um, people get two minutes to speak, um, but they only get two minutes. So as long as we're consistently applying that. Um, we have had budget hearings where we had 115 people. They got one minute each. You know, so that's up to the chair to decide if they um, further limit. Um, I always encourage people to make e-comments. And if you look at the image on the bottom of your screen, um, once, an, once an agenda is posted, members of the public can make comments. Once a comment is made, you'll see the little bubble on the bottom left. Um, if there's any comments on that. And you as commissioners can go take a look at the agenda at any time. It's kind of like Facebook. You can see what's going on. Um, if people are commenting on any of your agenda items. So similar to council meetings, um, if you wanted to comment on a council agenda item, this is a really great place to do it um, because it's live and council members can go see what people are saying. Um, there have been instances where I've talked to, you know, the mayor and said, okay, we've got, we're up to 85 comments. You know, this should not be on consent. We need to really pull this off consent and talk about it because there's quite a few people that um, have comments on this. So I always encourage people to make e-comments. So Brand Act violations, we're never going to do this, but typically what we do is a do-over. So there's a couple of other um, ways to correct it, um, but typically we would rehear something. So for instance, during, um, during the pandemic, um, our Planning and Design Commission lost the video feed for about 12 minutes. So um, it was the attorney's office said, you know, no, we made every possible way. We've already heard the public comment. It's okay. But we, we decided, of course, in consultation with our fantastic city attorney's office that, you know, let's just rehear this. You know, why would we make sure, we want to make sure that the public could, could talk on this and there potentially could be a violation. So, of course, there could be criminal penalties, civil court action, and, and so forth. But again, like I said, we typically, it's a, a voluntary resolution. We do a do-over. Okay, so parliamentary procedure. So the city council um, and all of our boards, commissions, and committee use Rosenberg's rules of order. So that talks about a quorum. Um, you need a quorum of the body to um, conduct any meeting. So of this body, um, it's three. So one more than half. Um, the order of the discussion, as I mentioned, is outlined in the council rules of procedure. So those are the same for all of our boards, commissions, and committees. And so that um, you know, when you transition to a, the major you commission or a different commission, or you become a council member, um, you'll understand the cadence, and our public then understands that cadence. So the um, three basic motions, um, and we go more into depth when we're with, um, when I'm talking to someone that sits on the Planning and Design Commission, they get a little more creative. But typically our motions are your basic motion. Somebody would make a motion. Somebody would second that motion. There could be a motion to amend. So for instance, the um, staff recommendation could be to buy yellow pencils. 
So um, someone could say, I, you know, I make a motion to approve staff recommendation or to buy the yellow pencils. Someone could say, I want to amend that, that motion. I want yellow and blue pencils. So then the person that made the motion and the person that made the second would have need to agree to that. There could also be a substitute motion. So totally throwing that out, we don't want yellow pencils, I want purple pens. You know, so a substitute motion would be you know, throwing out those other two. And they stack on top of each other. So um, we would then vote on the substitute motion first. Um, if that passes, we're done. If it doesn't, we go down to that amended motion and then the, then the uh, main motion. Um, we are still doing virtual meetings for members of the public. Of course, the Brown Act does not allow us to um, participate remotely, um, so you get the opportunity to be here in chambers, um, but we are continuing to allow members of the public to participate via Zoom, and that also helps us with, um, I think, down the road, I'm hoping language accessibility, and then also closed captioning. Zoom has the capability to do closed captioning. So voting on motions, so um, a simple majority, you know, one more than half is needed to, um, to pass a motion. So I give us a few examples here. So you have five commissioners. Um, it takes three people to pass a motion. Um, if you had only three people here, we do have a quorum and we could conduct the meeting. We would only need two, pa two people to pass a motion. There might be differences to, with our hearings, um, and when we get there, we'll make sure we cover that with you. So um, typical vote is yes, no. Um, now that we're in chambers, when we were virtual, we had to do a roll call vote, and that was um, the rules for remote participation. So here, it's typically the chair would call out, all in favor say aye, aye. You know, at, no, opposed, paused, if there's anybody opposed or anybody abstain. So an abstention is a no vote. You have no position. Um, and I always encourage commissioners that you, you were appointed because we want your opinion. Um, and sometimes it's a hard, hard decision to make, to have an opinion on something, but we encourage you to have an opinion. A recusal is if you have a fi financial conflict, it's treated as an absence. Um, if there's a tie, the motion fails. Okay. We'll get to conflicts in a little bit. So hearing all voices, um, I, I do put this slide in. Really, it's, um, it's the chair's role to make sure that all voices are heard. Um, these rules create efficient, fair, and participatory meetings. Um, again, one person should speak at a time. Debate and discussion is super healthy. I think you want to disagree with each other on occasion. Um, and then, again, we mentioned time to speak may be limited in the interest of time. Um, I don't have to say that. Don't interrupt. But um, I've seen some YouTube videos of other commissions, um, not in our city, um, that don't play nice. And so um, this is really the, the role of the chair and each of you to make sure that all voices are heard, yours, each other's, and the public. So council rules of procedure, I, I talked about that briefly. So the city council, per charter, um, can create their own rules of procedure. And then um, you can create rules for your commission as long as they're not in conflict with the city council rules or procedure. Okay. So really, um, rules of procedure talk about the duty and conduct of members and staff. And I'll shoot that out to you um, when we talk about that, um, that complaint that we were discussing earlier. Conduct of the public, meeting agendas and those cadence of agendas. Um, the conduct of the meeting uh, talks, again, about requests for future agenda items. So under council, comments, ideas, and questions is where um, council members, commissioners, committee members, board members can ask for whether it's an informational item, they want more data on something, or it could be a request for a future agenda item. The Public Records Act. So really, um, the Public Records Act, its premise is really to safeguard the accountability of government to the people to promote, promote maximum disclosure of the conduct of governmental operations 
um, and explicitly acknowledges the principle that secrecy, secrecy is contradictory to a democratic system of the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So really, the Public Records Act is a commitment to open government, um, provides access to information of the city. Um, it, we, t typically, um, the um, intent is to disclose more information, but of course, um, there's always rules that we would not disclose information. So I point out the Public Records Act. Um, our city does, and, and my office does, over 5,000 public records requests a year. Some of them are really simple. I want building plans from this building. Um, some of them are really complex. I want all um, email between um, Commissioner X and the mayor between this time frame. And so typically, we then produce those records. The city attorney reviews those for us um, to see if there's any, um, anything that would not be disclosed. Um, this also covers text messages, emails. Um, I, and, and I point that out because it's really easy to send a text message. Um, but it has to do with the conduct of the commission. So if you're sitting here at the dais and you send a text message to say, meeting's running late, um, I'm going to pick up milk on the way home, do you need anything from the grocery store? That has nothing to do with the conduct of the business of this commission. So um, if I got a request for all text messages between commissioners um, during this meeting, I would reach out to you and say, do you have anything that has to do with the conduct of the business? You wouldn't say, you know, I asked my spouse to pick up milk. That doesn't have anything to do. But you could, you could say, yes, the League of Women Voters texted me during that meeting, and this is what I responded. That might be something you're voting on. Okay. So public record. Of course, everything that's in front of you is a public record, but also, as I mentioned, text messages, voicemail. Um, if you had something you wanted to present to your fellow commissioners, um, if you come next week at, um, for the annual report discussion and you've done some research and have would be lovely if you'd write out what you want that recommendation to be and why you want to do that so that it can go into that. And that would then become a public record if you handed something out to your colleagues. Um, and again, emails. That Because it used to be, um, you know, don't put it in writing, but I always figure if I don't want it on the front page of the B, it shouldn't go in a text message or an email. Okay. So Public Record Act and conflicts. Um, this one is a little more complex, and I always say, talk to your attorney, talk to your attorney, talk to your attorney. Um, so really, the public record reform, public reform, Polit let me start over. The Political Reform Act, we've also already talked about the Public Records Act. It really prohibits you from making, participating, or attempting to influence the making of any city decision um, if you know you have a, a reasonably foreseeable material financial effect. So, you know, what does that mean? Um, as, as an ethics commissioner, that might be um, more broad, but you might say, you know, the, the respondent in this is my brother-in-law. Well, is that a reasonable foreseeable financial? So again, contact your attorney, and um, Mr. Lindsay is always available to answer questions. Please don't wait until the meeting and, and lean over and say, you know, I know this person, and I've you know, done business with them. That might be something that, you know, he needs some information to really look into it. Um, it's very rare when you do, that you do have you know, a reasonable, foreseeable um, financial impact. So um, when this could come into play, say our Parks Commission. So they're, they're deliberating on, they're not the decision maker, but they're giving a recommendation to council about a, a park facility. Okay, it's a, across the street from their house. You know, is the value of their home going to go up because the aquatic center is across the street from their house? I don't know. But that's something the attorney can, can take, really look into for you and say, you know, no, it's okay. You're only making a recommendation to council. You're not the decision maker. Um, and so they will, they will opine on that. 
So um, you do, I skipped past it, um, that statement of economic interest, um, we take a look at those to, to, to know, but really we rely on you to say, you know, I own the property across from that hotel that we're building, something like that. And that's not something you guys deliberate on, but um, oftentimes with our council members, you know, they're deliberating on stuff, things like that. Uh, and sometimes um, council members will recuse from a decision if there's um, um, the possibility or um, the perceived conflict. So. Um, so if you have a conflict, what do you do? So um, you do have to recuse yourself from the item. You typically state what, what the conflict is, and you need to leave the room. So you can't just go sit in the audience, and that is because you could be um, influenced the decision-making decision body. So um, if the mayor, you know, got up and went and sit in the audience but is sitting there like this, you know, we're still going to think, oh, okay, are they influencing that decision? So you do need to leave it. Um, if it's on the consent calendar, you can state, um, state that you're recusing from an item but stay at the dais. So um, unless that item is then pulled and people are starting to have the discussion, then you would, you would leave. But the consent calendar is deemed one item as a whole. Okay, um, so I, I mentioned perception too. Um, you could it, uh, recuse yourself voluntarily, but again, talk to your attorney. So um, we don't want you recusing if it's not necessary. So the scope of um, boards, commissions, or committees, and typically um, I just, I recommend that you really go to the code. The code is really um, what is going to talk about your scope, and you can dig deeper into that. So the purpose of this commission, the Sacramento Ethics Commission, is to review and consider complaints against elected and appointed city officials, as further described in 2.112030, to ensure those city officials are conforming to their conduct of the city's laws and policies. That's the scope of this commission. And then if you look at um, jurisdiction, it goes deeper into what those code sections are. Um, and again, I encourage everyone to really go to the website um, and look at yours. So mentioned earlier, um, the, here's where you would find the scope of boards, commissions, and committees. And I really encourage folks to read their code, to not read a second hand. My handbook is not sufficient. You need to read your code. Um, I typically hand off, or do we, everyone, um, every commission has a department that um, supports them, and I always hand off a new commissioner to that department, um, and then I also let the attorney know in that department that we've met to go over orientation, and then they have separate orientations. So, and each department, each commission is a little bit different. So I know parks, um, in, before COVID, they used to take people on a tour. So if you were a new parks commissioner, you got a tour of all the city parks. Um, our URAC, which is Utility Rate Advisory Commission, um, they got tours of water treatment facilities, and so those, those types of things. Um, so again, I, I um, plug the handbook. I, I think it's a great resource. But again, it's a document. If you'll notice anything I do, it has a revision date on it because I'm always making updates and I'm always improving it. Someone will have you know, some feedback on a section that wasn't clear or could be more clear. So I encourage you to take a look at the handbook. And the last couple pages of that handbook have quite a few, um, a lot more information. So if, if today I intrigued you about the Ralph M. Brown Act and you want to learn more about it, um, there's a document that I think is helpful that the League of California Cities put out, um, and we link to that in the handbook, which is online, um, our city organizational chart, um, more stuff about um, ethics training, Public Records Act, and so forth. That concludes my presentation, and I'm available for any questions. Thank you. I do have a question, um, and it goes back to 
agenda items and you talked about you know everything has to be open and transparent and I totally agree with that and that um, the agenda has to be posted 120 hours in advance which my quick math tells me is five days um, but what I don't understand is why we can't why we can only request agenda items in our public meeting, why we can't ask for items to be put on, ask you, you know, by an email or a phone call, to put items on the agenda, which will be publicly noticed when you print the agenda. I, I don't see how that um, violates anything. I can't speak to the intent, but the council rules of procedure state that uh, council members go by the same rules, so a council member can't put something on the agenda. I mean, so the 120 hours is to make sure that everybody who's interested can know what's on the agenda. Yeah, and, and as a staff person, this would be the forum for you to say at the next meeting we'd really like this, and that's the intent of the follow-up log. Um, so I can keep you abreast of where agenda items are, or if it's just a request for information, I can then respond, you know, outside of the, the normal meeting. So, um, so if I'm understanding you, if I were the public and I saw it, I was at the last meeting, I was, or virtual, whatever, um, and then I saw on the next meeting there was an item on there that I don't remember somebody indicating they wanted on the agenda for the next meeting, I might be a little suspicious of where did this come from? This wasn't something that was brought up in the last meeting. What is, is there a side conversation happening? That's the only thing I can say is the perception on the other end, maybe that's where that stems from. Well, I guess that's a possibility. But how this came up was making a request to Mindy, can we have something on the, the next agenda? And the answer was no, because you didn't request it at the last meeting. I, well, I think we couldn't have something on the agenda to talk of the day of. You can request something on the agenda for the next meeting. Is that correct? That's correct. And I think this goes back to, um, I, I think that the process is, is challenging. That <laughs> um, I hear you, but that's the way the rules and procedures are, are set up. Um, so I think that opportunities to really reiterate that in the onboarding is important. Um, so I don't know if that means adding a little bit more information on that in the onboarding to be like really specific um, example. You cannot have anything into, you know, and I think you, you mentioned that in there, but just really drill that home because I feel like we kind of swirled for a while here um, on that point, not me personally, I speak for myself, not feeling like I understood how that worked. And then uh, what ties into that is this change around the subcommittees. Um, so I'm uh, wondering if that can be added in here, um, clarity around how folks are able to get work done with the change that recently happened in that arena. Um, I think on a, I didn't, I'm probably doing something wrong here, but the, there was the law ledge update on the, I can't 
Did we get that update on what happened at the for the lobbying? Yeah, I'd intended on under commissioner oh. comments. I was going to oh, do it there. Okay. So are, we're done now with um, board commission and committee training. Unless anybody has anything else to say on that. Um, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this? I have no members of the public willing to, wanting to speak on this item. To wanting to. Okay, and every, the commissioners have all said what they want to say. All right. So this item is a receive and file, so no vote required. So the next item is commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. I do have an update on the lobbyist ordinance that um, went to Law and Ledge. And so the direction from Law and Ledge was staff was um, staff to come back with, so for instance, a red line ordinance of the lobbyist ordinance to Law and Ledge. So they've asked staff to start working on that. And so what we'll do is I'll partner with the city attorney's office and we'll bring back a red line ordinance to the Law and Ledge committee for them to deliberate on. What a red line ordinance is? Yeah, so... Um, I apologize. So um, typically you would, you would mark out or strike out what's being removed and then you would, um, in another font or color, um, state what's going to change. So you'll see the city code um, in its native format, but with what the change is. When is it expected to come back to the lawn ledge? I would expect it to be um, at least a month out. And is that staff across various departments working on that, or is that the city clerk's office? The city attorney's in the city clerk's office. Okay. Any other commissioner comments, either on what Mindy said or anything else? Commissioner Ng? Yes, I do. I, I, do. I just want to ask uh, Mindy a question, but all the reports are great. Now, um, I just thought of, you know, in the outreach effort, okay, is it possible that I use some of the write-ups, you know, on, your, on our report, you know, the annual report, because that's what I, that's what you lay out, you know, what our purpose and our work is, and maybe put it on a PowerPoint, I mean, it's just, just, not just a simplified version, not a, not the whole report. Just say, hey, what what uh, we have been doing, and um, such as the redistricting, you know, committee, uh, or the lobbyists, you know, what have we been doing? And when we go out, because I've been invited to, you know, do a do a presentation. So when you do a presentation, I just feel that when you stand right there, just really people are just looking at you. But when you have some things to present, or most people may have a computer, so you can share those, uh, you know, PowerPoint with them, so you can look at, you know, what the commissioner is doing. So is it possible? Are you going to have staff? Can your staff? If it's not possible, will your staff be able to help with them? PowerPoint presentation, just a few pages. So you're that. saying like instead of just having the little cards. Yeah, because the card some... is not comprehensive. I mean, you can just go and talk about it. People don't know exactly what you're doing. 
Um, absolutely. I think I understand what you're asking for is more of a PowerPoint for outreach, and this is probably a great um, part of the discussion for our next meeting, where we're going to talk about community outreach and some recommendations that I heard from uh, both the consultant and um, our internal people on ideas that they have, you know, whether it's attending um, community meetings, whether it's going to neighborhood associations, mm -hmm. um, volunteering to do that, and I really need to hear from commissioners. Is that something that you want to do? We can create the tools for you to be successful in that outreach, um, whether it's postcards, um, handouts, um, or a PowerPoint presentation, but when we have that discussion on community outreach, I need to learn what, what are you guys willing to do? Um, is it attending neighborhood association meetings? And do you want staff to advertise that you are attending meetings um, to talk about the commission and what your role is? Yeah, and I think we were starting to do that before COVID. And um, I know Commissioner Ng has gone to several community meetings, both before COVID and I think more recently as well. But now that COVID is, if not over, at least, dwindling, um, I think it would be great if we could go out to events, either individually or in pairs or whatever. Anyone who wants to, obviously, if, if you don't want to, you don't have to. So at the next, um, at the next commission meeting, I'll be bringing back an item on outreach, um, and we'll have, hopefully, a listing of ideas that you could participate in, um, and then we can hear from the commissioners. Is, is that something that you're willing to do and you want us to, because we don't want to then advertise that you guys are willing to go out and, and talk at neighborhood associations, um, and then I've got you every Wednesday at some you know, meeting across town. I don't want to do that. Anybody else, commissioners? I have something, um, which is that after today, we only have four more meetings this year, shockingly. Um, we have a meeting in June, then none in July, August, September, and October, and we don't meet in November or December. So obviously that's why getting things on the agenda promptly is useful. I'm also wondering about the idea of putting on the agenda of the October meeting to elect the new chair and vice chair for next year so that they can start up right away in January. Something to think about or maybe talk about at the next I think I may be termed out, but I would be the only one who was because the other two people who got the two-year terms with me were Mary Beth and... Um, Actually, you're correct. So um, term date for Gomez, Velasquez, and Underwood are January of 2024. But the two of them can reapply. Correct. And I can't. Correct. 
Correct. So um, all boards, commissions, and committees um, you are four-year terms, and you can serve two terms. And even though my first term was only two years, I guess it's... I have to review, um, and I can do that. I can take a look. But typically, um, if you've served, I think it's 75%, I'm looking at Jacob, um, of a term, that can, counts as one full term. But if it, there's, a, there's a calculation. Like this, for the, when the commission was started, two terms were, two seats were made four-year terms and the other three were two-year terms. That, that's I correct. I would a new chair. That said, if there's a vote in October, you know, obviously majority rule. So, you know, if others wanted to do that, then that's fine. another person who would be bound to the decision but left out of the, the process to make it um, for the purposes of planning I won't be seeking another term uh, in January 2024 when my first term ends I'm sorry to hear that to hear it too, but I also understand that our recruitment window was um, about a five-month period. So um, knowing that people aren't going to um, wish to to a second term, that's important to know. Yeah, when we have a vacancy, it takes them a very long time to fill it, which is why I'm thinking that it makes sense not to wait until the, there's a full five-member commission because that could take another month. Take a conversation. Your recommendation was to put it in the October agenda. I think it's something that we can discuss in October and whether we want to move forward or not, it's something we can decide in October. Oh, All right, I, anybody else have? I think, it would be, I think it would be September if it's gonna end up on October agenda. You would be discussing it in September. Can't we now say that we're putting it on the October agenda? If you, if you want. What I was intending on doing is putting that item on the October agenda and you could, con you could continue it to a future meeting, which is I think we did this last time. We had some um, absences that night um, and so we continued that item. So you never have to take the staff recommendation. You can always choose to vote on it or choose to continue the item. Does anybody else have any comments on anything? Okay, um, let me check on what time it is. I think that, and there's no more public comment on anything. That's correct, and no public comment from others not on the agenda. Okay. So, um, that concludes today's agenda. Thank you everyone for your
participation. It's now 7.02 p.m. The meeting is adjourned. got cool. I apologize. <laughs> or Mr. Lindsay.